Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Talking this week about the implication of driverless cars, the broad implication of driverless cars, after a woman tragically was killed earlier this week in Tempe, Arizona, during a trial by Uber of driverless cars. Dr. Keith, this is something that is quite fascinating. It is indeed. Now, normally in political science terms, you get change that occurs either as a black swan, uh, a sudden dramatic event such as 9-11 in 2001, but also you have what's called incrementalism, where change creeps up on you. And it's only when you look back, you can see how far you've travelled. And I think the whole question of driverless vehicles comes into that second category. In other words, they're on the roads now, legislation is being changed. Uh, The New South Wales Premier has announced that uh, she He's going to make it possible for such vehicles to operate now in New South Wales. So we're getting these bit-by-bit changes, and in a few years' time, we will be astounded by what has happened to our way of life because all of these small changes accumulate into a major change indeed. Not sudden, not dramatic, it creeps up on us and then suddenly we realise that people are unemployed or we've got changes. For example, if you own a car parking space, you won't need that in 20 years' time, perhaps 15 years' time because your car won't be there. And this is still, I would say, a pretty scary prospect for most people, driverless anything a machine being in charge, but then we're being told that that they will be safer, that they'll be more time efficient. Um, so let's go to these issues that we are talking yep. about, and they, we can we can break them down right into security and safety, employment. And crime, which yeah. is really weird. But let's start, first of all, with security, because that's the one that's got everyone most nervous, I think. Exactly. And, you know, when people say, oh, no, I would never trust a machine to drive a car, you've got to bear in mind that humans have been driving for about 110 years, depending on the country, about 110 years. And yet we still have 1.2 million people killed on the roads around the world. So humans have set the bar very low. You don't need to be too smart as a computer to be better than humans. <laughs> million killed each year on the roads around the world. Have you been to Asia? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. One one of my trips to India, which was a short trip, except it takes four hours to get out to the Taj Mahal from from New Delhi, and we only hit one other vehicle. And we got back to the hotel, and they said, because we've been on the road for eight hours, they said, (laughs) and you only hit one one vehicle. Well, congratulations. So you're quite right. (laughs) But you see, when you get the driverless vehicles, the theory is that they will be a lot safer. And from an insurance company point, of view, they would prefer that. So it may well be that, say, in 15, 20 years' time, you'll end up, if you want to still drive your car, fine, but you're going to pay a lot more in your insurance. What is envisaged is that when you're leaving a building, say, you're finishing work for the day, you won't go to the car park. You'll simply call up an Uber or a Google or whatever car, which will come to you. No driver. And it may well be there's only one seat. So you will get into that one seat, it's called a pod, and then that'll drive you off to your, say, you're going to go home. You get out at home, your bank account is debited, and the car, the pod, goes off to its next customer. You don't own a car, you don't worry about parking it, 
You see the advantage of, of, of what a driverless vehicle would represent. These these are all good signs. If you're a person with a disability, it may well be you can become much more mobile. If you're an older person, absolutely, because you don't need to worry about taking driving tests uh, well into your 90s because you'll be able to call up a car which will take you from A to B. And what's popping into my head is cost. If you don't have a car and we don't have the insurance, you don't have the on-road cost type thing. A petrol. Yep. Were they envisaging it to be a lot cheaper? Or? Well, overall, it would be, absolutely. I've never owned a car. And it certainly it's interesting when people say, oh, well, you must be very rich if you're not having to spend money on cars. Uh, and it's certainly car expenses accumulate over time. And it's also worth bearing in mind that most cars, not taxis, but most other private vehicles are only ever used for 2% of their life. 98% they're stationary in a car park somewhere. So in a sense, what is now being offered to us is the opportunity to be able to make greater use of a vehicle, not just by you, but other people within the society. So we get greater use out of the metal and other uh, substances we put into that car. So it actually is good for the environment because it means that the, the vehicles are safer, uh, they consume less material if you, if you amortise the use of all that material over a long time because you're going to get multiple uses of that vehicle. And so there's a lot of interest in going down this route. And I think ultimately, for those of us, of course, already go without cars, others will find out, yes, it's a cheaper way to live. So if, you're, if you've still got housekeeping duties or you've got working duties during the week or weekend, you can just call up a car, takes you to your destination and then you go off. If you look at what Uber is doing, it's particularly interesting because Uber have already started to break the nexus between your identity and an automobile. Because with an Uber vehicle, you call up a vehicle which will take you from A to B. You don't need your own car. Now, buying a car is a rite of passage. Mm. And Uber are saying, not in the future. You'll be able to live without having to own your own car. And so this is really remarkable. That's the first stage. The next stage, 15, 20 years' time, perhaps even less, the Uber will get rid of the drivers. So you will just simply call up a driverless vehicle. That is their long-term plan. So it's not imminent because they're doing these trials already of driverless cars. Why now if they don't have the plan to implement them for 10 or 15 years? Oh, because it's obviously going to take that time for people to become accustomed to it. I, sh I would imagine there'll be a period of years where you've got humans driving their vehicles alongside driverless vehicles. It's going to take a while for people to become accustomed to being um, in a car without a driver. I don't have that problem. I, I don't drive anyway. So, But you've got others who've got this psychological issue that once they get into the car, they've got to control it. So Uber have got to re-educate, not only Uber, but Google and all the others, have got to re-educate you on what it is to travel in a car without your doing the driving of it. And that will take some years. But eventually, of course, when kids are born in 15 years' time or, in, or say, in a few years' time, they will just go out and take up a, a new car. Remember, you only notice a new technology if it comes along when mm. you're in your adulthood. Mm. So um, 
In my case, I remember television sets because they came in when I, when I was growing up in the UK, right? But you've got others now who take television sets for granted because they've always been around, haven't they? Mm. And so I'm looked upon as a dinosaur because <laughs> I can remember when television came in. So for me, it's interesting that we've got this sort of transition and you've got to work over a period of time. And it's quite a major shift in people's thinking. Remember, people have been in control of their stagecoaches, horse and carts, and horses. We're now talking about a form of vehicle on the roads that you won't control. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Today we're talking about the broad implications of driverless vehicles. Now, this is off the back of a woman who was killed very tragically earlier this week in Tempe in Arizona during a trial by Uber of driverless cars. And at the moment we're exploring all the different avenues of this, security and safety, employment and the ramifications when it comes to crime with a development like driverless cars. Dr. Keith's been saying it's about still 10, 15 years away, um, but that's how long it will take for people to get used to the idea of driverless cars. So even though they're being tested now, they're not going to be used for a while. So let's talk to the employment side of things because it'll have huge implications It will indeed. And this is one of the issues that I try to raise when I'm talking on this subject because one of my fears is that generally speaking, technology is introduced because it reduces the need for labour. So you go all the way back to Britain's Industrial Revolution in 1750. So you get the introduction of um, the whole question of manufacturing of fabrics, and that was done through looms. Each loom could produce far more fabric than an ordinary person at home, weaving at home. So all the way along, we get technology increasing productivity. The, The other way of putting that is that technology displaces labour. So you had a lot of people who were no longer weaving at home because they would go down to the factory where far more fabric could be produced in the in a factory condition. If you look at the, the issue of driverless vehicles, one of the issues that, that are, um, is certainly worth following is the, is the role of, of trucks. Now, we're talking cars, but you've also got to bear in mind trucks. So that's the delivery of goods. And Uber have bought Otto, which is a delivery system, a driverless truck. What is interesting to note that truck driving is the most common occupation in 29 American states out of 50. Wow. It is still a way mm. for a non-college educated, a polite way of saying somebody doesn't have a university degree, mm-hmm. a non-college educated person can still earn a reasonable living, tough, but it can earn a reasonable living driving trucks. Now, if we end up with driverless trucks, all of those jobs will go. You simply will not need truck drivers moving stuff across the United States or or Australia or whatever. And when they go, then the roadside ecology changes. So remember, we have had, because of the improvement in infrastructure in the United States, which took place after World War II, the the superhighway program of the Eisenhower era, etc., we've ended up with this marvellous network of long-distance roads in the United States. And we've also got roadside cafes, fast food outlets, etc. They're there to, to feed the humans. So the humans put the fuel in the truck and then they f- put the fuel in themselves via fast food or whatever. Well, if you don't have humans in those trucks, you don't need those cafes. You may need refueling places, certainly, mm-hmm. um, but you will not need people cooking the hamburgers and the coffee, etc., so you will see a loss of jobs in that context as well. And also trains, I would think, because of all the amount of freight trains that are used. Yeah. Oh, I think eventually we will end up with driverless trains. Absolutely. In fact, you already see that at some international airports now, that you've got uh, trains that are moving uh, on a fixed route 
a set amount of time and often will only have one person at most guiding the vehicle, either a driver or a guard and perhaps no one at all. But often futurists say that with all the job losses that come with technology, there are more jobs as well. So will jobs be created to fill these voids, Keith? At the moment, we are killing jobs more quickly than we can create them. Oh. Now, this is a subject, I think, for a whole separate yeah. podcast. Um, I've been popularising an Oxford University study on looking at what technology will do to jobs mm. and generally destroy most of the ones that we currently take for granted. New ones, sure, will be created, but they're at a higher order. So they will need different skills. If you're doing something basic and repetitive, a computer can do that, like checkouts, for example. So a lot of jobs... When I left school half a century ago, I was guaranteed a job in London. Either I could go to work for the civil service, which is what I did, or I could go to work for a bank because banks in those days recruited an army of young tellers, what was called entry-level jobs. So that's how you got your first job when you left school and you then worked your way up in the system. If you you weren't smart enough to go to university, and I wasn't, then you worked your way up Mm. through the bank. That's an entry-level job. All those jobs have gone. People get their money out of a hole in the wall, an automatic teller machine, or they get the money when they're checking out at a major store and they will ask, do you want to have some cash to go? And that store is earning money as it charges you for acting as a bank while it's selling you the groceries. Mm. And so that army of tellers that I would have known in my day, that army has now gone. So now let's go to that third pillar of conversation here when it comes to the implications of driverless vehicles, and that is crime, which crime. most people, I would think, would not, it would not spring to mind when you're talking about driverless cars. Right. Well, I spend a lot of my life in the security space, and one of the lessons is that whenever a new technology comes along, you've always got people trying to work out how you can use it for criminal purposes. It's, it's just a fact of life. Um, tragically, a lot of IT people, young, idealistic individuals, do not think about crime. Now, the, the whole of the internet at the moment is vulnerable because it was not designed for the purposes for which we're now using it. So it was designed to enable US bases to communicate with each other in the event of a surprise Soviet attack. The scientists who put it together asked the Pentagon, can we now wire up our own university campuses so we can send quick messages to each other? That's called email, right? <laughs> so with, as a result of this, this very basic tool... We now have an internet system on which we do the banking. Well, I don't, but on which you can do the banking. You download movies, etc. YouTube, every hour, 7,000 hours of YouTube movies get uploaded. Now, the internet was not designed for this. So it's actually a very weak spinal column. So that, that's always my starting point when I'm dealing with IT. I always have to remind audiences, look, the in- internet is being used for purposes for which it was not designed. If we were going to do banking electronically, we would have done things differently with greater safeguards. My view is that every organisation either knows that it's been hacked or it doesn't know that it's been hacked. So there's a whole story there that we could look at, the whole problem of hacking that goes on. So let me just give you an example. If you're driving a vehicle, you're using the internet you know, you'd, you probably hadn't occurred to you, but you've got electric commodities in your car. Even without it being driverless, you run the risk of somebody hijacking your vehicle. Well, in terms of threats, when you think about driverless vehicles, 
and what the scary element of that would be. It would be hacking, someone hacking it. Exactly. But I've, I've seen some people recently, security experts say that it's not really the fear that we all think it is. It's not that feasible. Well, in Ju- I've got a note here. In July 2015, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles recalled 1.4 million American vehicles to install software after a report raised concerns about hacking. Oh, Now, if you're driving an old-fashioned car with no electronic components, you're safe. But if you're dealing with, you know, really state-of-the-art IT, as we get with, you know, really luxury vehicles, etc., you are already very vulnerable. There's the suspicious death of Michael Hastings, which occurred a few years ago. So he was a guy who was investigating CIA and all the rest of it. In the US? In the United States. And he he wrote a major article for Rolling Stone, which cost a senior general his job. Brilliant journalist, uh, erratic but brilliant. He was driving a new Mercedes, which suddenly accelerated, hit a tree and exploded. Now, the uh, police cremated the body before pretty well the next of kin were informed. They just simply called the next of kin up and said, we've got ashes here, how do you want to dispose of them? Mercedes... Hold on a minute, how did this not make huge headlines around the world and create... Well, well, a lot of us were have been talking about this. It may not have been on your radar screen, <laughs> but I can assure you there are a lot of us who are following this development. Right. And a guy called Richard Allen, who's the anti-terror expert, has said this is possibly the first ever carjacking. In other words, that people who didn't like what this guy was writing as a journalist Whoa. simply took over the control of the car and hit a tree and the engine block ended up down the street. Mercedes said, our cars do not behave like that. There must be something else involved. So Mercedes did not accept the police explanation that this was a tragic accident. Mm. So you've got Mercedes, you've got Richard Allen, FBI immediately issued a statement saying this is not one of our jobs. CIA have not yet commented. So there's a lot of question marks as to how Mm. Michael Hastings was killed. An example of hacking. That's car hacking. So you take control of the vehicle and run it into a tree. So would anyone have um, the ability for if they were in a driverless Uber, for example, as we talked about earlier, would they have the ability to, if the car did start behaving erratically, to take over the controls? Well, the, uh, the designs that we will eventually have will be uh, the answer is no. Mm. The car will be fully autonomous, so it'll be thinking for itself. You will have said, I want to go from A to B, and the car will have said, Relax, and it'll talk to you, relax, and we'll go. Leave it to me. It is creepy. Remember, we've already got cars that park themselves now. The really big state-of-the-art cars can negotiate all those little manoeuvres to park themselves. But this is the future. And so what I try to do in my presentations when I'm talking on this subject is simply to say to people, look, please pay attention to this because politicians in the audience for my talks will say to me privately afterwards, I agree with your warning, but I can't raise this with my constituents. It is simply too troubling for them, which means, therefore, we will be blindsided by change. And remember, I see my role in life is encouraging people always to think about the unthinkable. Well, thanks, Dr. Keith. As always, interesting, but I don't know now what to think about driverless cars and the way that our future is actually going. But always a pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.